What I love about when I look at change agents of the world, Nick, is that change agents of the world, like Nelson Mandela and Mahatma Gandhi and Mother Teresa uh, and Cesar Chavez and, and Martin Luther King, these great leaders, they didn't say, I'm gonna get us all the way there. Martin Luther King said, I might not be there when it happens. So can we enter a courageous cultural conversation knowing that we're only gonna make a dent and we're gonna start it? Are we willing to do that? And my answer is yes, all day, every day. Hi, I'm Nick Ninton, and welcome to Now to Next, the podcast where I interview some of the top experts and professionals all across the globe to talk about what's happening now and what you can expect next. Thanks for tuning in to Now to Next. Make sure you like and subscribe and check out the next episodes. Hey, everybody, Nick Nanton here. Uh, welcome back to Now to Next. Got a busy day, actually. Got three awesome guests on today, which is sort of unintentional, but we're going to have some fun. I have my good friend, Lisa Nichols, who you can see here. So instead of awkwardly pretending she's not here, Lisa, how's it going today? I'm wonderful, wonderful, Nick. It's so wonderful to be with you again. Well, thank you. Uh, it's an honor. So I'm going to give a brief background for those of you who have been hiding under a rock and don't know who Lisa is. Um, <laughs> Lisa Nichols is one of the world's most requested motivational speakers, as well as a media personality and corporate CEO whose global platform, Motivating the Masses, has reached and served nearly 80 million people. I love that. We'll talk about impact here in a minute. But about 30 years ago, Lisa was a struggling single mom on government assistance who reached a breaking point when she realized she didn't have enough money in her bank account to buy diapers for her son. Then she transformed her life in a way that has since served to motivate and inspire millions of people to also find the courage to break through and discover their own untapped talents and infinite potential. As founder and chief executive officer of Motivating the Masses, Lisa has developed workshops and programs that have transformed the lives of countless men and women. She is also a best-selling author of, I believe, six books, including Abundance Now, in which she provides a practical blueprint for personal success drawn directly from her life experiences in the last and one of my favorite parts. Lisa has been featured in several films, including The Secret, Dreamer, which is one of my films. Uh, she's also the subject of one of my episodes of In Case You Didn't Know on Amazon Prime. And she is currently featured in the new film, Let's Grow, which we're going to talk about today, which was written by her, Sean Smith, and David Bianchi, and is a groundbreaking spoken word film that depicts the polarizing struggle between black and white people in America. Lisa, what did I mess up? <laughs> you got it all great. I, it's kind of awkward sitting here listening to that list, but uh, uh, some of my most exciting projects that I've done include yours. Uh, so uh, I'm glad that you made sure that that was there. So Nick, it's nice to be with you again, it, always. Thank you so much. Great to be with you. So one thing is that, look, we could talk, there's plenty of stories <laughs> that we've we've covered actually in lots of other projects and you've covered sort of ad nauseum. So what I, one of things I really want to dig into today, and we'll probably get into some other stories too, but let's talk about let's grow. So it really is, we are in a special time in yeah. history where I yeah. will, I will very much, I, I can't wait to have a very open conversation with you because I have much to learn, but you know, yeah. I will honestly say, and I think a lot of people feel like me, I'm an empathetic person who doesn't yeah. feel like I've ever particularly judged anyone by any skin color. I've, yeah. 
I, I would definitely say like guilty of judging people, judging a book by its cover. Like if I'm yeah. if I'm in an alley late at night and someone looks yeah. sketchy despite their skin color, I'm I'm gonna move over. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sort of take the fight or flight out of it. But I yeah. I really have started thinking a lot recently about about opportunity, and it's really interesting. How do we address opportunity where it doesn't? Um, it doesn't negatively affect those who deserve opportunity of any skin color, but make sure that we, we sort of, we have a lot of catching up to do, I would say, yeah, uh, in yeah, the black, yeah. you know, with the black community. So tell us about let's grow and let's just talk. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, Nick, I, I want to acknowledge you and, 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 and thank you for opening the door to this conversation because the conversation and I call, we call it courageous cultural conversations, not accusatory conversations, not make wrong conversations, um, not beat me over the head with who I'm not or who I am conversations. So I want to be very clear. It's not a conversation that's meant to leave you feeling guilty, shamed, bad, embarrassed. It is exactly what you said. It's an, it's a conversation that says, show me what I don't know. Help me, help me eliminate my blind spot. And so I come to this conversation and I created the film, quite frankly, I didn't know I was going to do a film. You're a director. I'm not, you know, and all of a sudden I see directed by, but I created this movie and this film because all of uh, all of my white friends who I know are empathetic, caring, compassionate, loving beings, they were saying, Lisa, help me get into the conversation. I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to come across as whatever, right? Racist or whatever. And what, what it is, Nick, is um, we, and, and when we say the word, uh, the privilege, people take the word privilege and, and oftentimes are offended by it. But, you know, th there are times when you have a privilege of not having to worry about something, right? And that's the word privilege is, is hold on, let me now see what my brother and my sister my brother and my sister across cultural lines, what are they having to deal with? It doesn't have to be your issue. But what I'm inviting people to do is to go, let's have a more expansive conversation to go, well, I know that's not my experience, but tell me about your experience. I, I want to know about it. I thought I knew about it, but I realized I only know 20% of it. One of the things my friend, uh, I said to a friend of mine is, I don't tell you what I think would make you uncomfortable about my experience as a black woman. I don't even want to make you uncomfortable with it. And my friend responded, she's white, she responded with, oh my God, I never knew you were protecting me. I never even knew that you were protecting me by not sharing these things with me. And so the movie Let's Grow is a very, it's one of the first direct conversations that's not a battle. It's not a right wrong. It's a, here's how it is. If I trusted you with my truth, if I took you into my room and closed the door and told you what I've never said before, I'll trust you with that, that you can hold it and you can be a container. It also speaks to the movie, and the way we did it is we, we did it because black men and white men have this, this very visual um, tension. And so we did it as a poetry. And David, who's a black uh, man, and Sean, who's a white man, they played the characters, which were not far from what they believed at one point or what they're struggling with themselves. We played them the characters as having this very, started off very tension-driven conversation. And then I come in sort of as Mother Earth, as 
you know, the goddess of reasoning or reality, but also as a black woman. And we do it all in poetry and you watch this journey, Nick, from these two men really speaking their truth and saying what a lot of white people are thinking and saying what a lot of black people are thinking, unedited to each other versus speaking in our silos, Nick. Black people speaking amongst black people, white people speaking amongst white people, brown people and people of color speaking amongst themselves. What if we come together and we set at the table the entire movie, it's 15 minutes, the entire movie is at a, a table considered to be the negotiation table, yeah. right? What if we agree to be uncomfortable, but we don't get up from the table until we can get up together? And over the course of 15 minutes, it's a very packed 15 minutes, as you've seen, um, we find this place of understanding. And I always say where the movie ends, our conversation begins. And um, it's been, now I have to tell you, Nick, our audience, we made the movie for you. We didn't make the movie for Black Lives Matter. We didn't make the movie for people of color, though we want them to see it and enjoy it. And they have, because we speak their voice. We made the movie for our compassionate, loving, caring um, uh, leaders that are white who say, hold on, can you show me what I'm not seeing? Can you, without making me feel so wrong, can you, can you honor my dignity while expanding my awareness? Great. That's the whole concept of the movie. Can we honor your dignity while educating you on a very touchy subject? I mean, but what a great, I think for everybody. That should be touched more, by the way. I totally agree. And what a great way. I mean, to address a conversation of any type, like, Hey, yeah. let I, I like, that's the whole, you know, whenever we have these generalities, whether it's uh, Republican, Democrat, white, black, yeah. uh, liberal, conservative, it's these big labels. Right. And I never, honestly, yeah. I don't think I've ever met someone on the other side of the table as a human being that is very, that I didn't like, like, right. I'm like, well, have you ever like, so I do, it's interesting. I've done work with, uh, uh, Ivanka Trump, Glenn Beck, Mark Cuban. I've had a cigar with uh, the Reverend Al Sharpton. Like I gone across the spectrum and I, I did an episode of my show with Anthony Scaramucci. It's so funny when I post anything about any of those people. I mean, the trolls come out and it's like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, look, I, I sat down with these people and like, they're, I think they're genuinely good human beings. Like yeah. I, it's rare that you actually have a conversation with someone where you walk away going, that's just a really bad person. Like that, that right. doesn't happen often. Right. Right. In they my just life. have a set of belief systems or a set of experiences that you haven't had or you don't agree with. And that's okay. Yeah, well, yeah. And I think one of the big pieces here is that disagreement is okay. Like, yeah. I, I love the fact that, look, my kids aren't going to think that a 10 o'clock bedtime is okay, is good. Hey, yeah, I do. Yeah. We can disagree. Yeah. And I still love you. Like, let's hey, what yeah, if yeah, we yeah. Just start there. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so as we open these conversations, I think part of the, the issue is that I've had in the past is sort of like, it's, it's your fault, Nick, because of the way you look. So, and you're not helping yeah. me instead of, and by the way, it, it, it might be, but I never met anybody who started, who had a good conversation by starting it yeah. that way, no matter what yeah. it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I agree. I absolutely agree. And, and I think it's important to understand that from both sides, what's the feeling that's going on. So when people of color are speaking, 
um, about anything in, in the realm of injustice or racism, there's such a deep-seated generational pain that's talking. And any time that an emotion leads the conversation, we're in danger. Um, because a good conversation has to have a blend of emotion and logic. But logic has to lead it. And that's difficult to do when you're when you're representing mothers and grandmothers and great great grandmothers and and so there's there's this and and I'm not excusing it I'm just giving shedding light on why does it come out so so because it's me it comes out of me too I'm a black woman all day every day and so for for me when George Floyd situation first happened I couldn't speak and I was getting blasted and I won't say that they were trolls that but they were just really mean and <laughs> inside my social media. And they looked like me and they were really upset at me because I didn't speak up aggressively enough. And I chose to say, I need to pray. I need to pray and I, I need to pray for me. I need to pray for George Floyd's family. I need to pray for my son who's 26. And at the time he was driving 20 miles with his white wife from California to Seattle, and he was gonna be on the roads that were dangerous as an African-American male. And so I was praying for my son because he was in that climate. And I remember I got blasted because people felt like I should have responded sister soldier. And I get that, I am sister soldier, but I'm, I'm, also, I'm also a believer of possibility. And I, I knew I could not allow my emotion only to lead the conversation. Not everyone's there, which is why Sean, a white man, and me partnered. And we were put together for a reason because he lives and have lived in a certain belief system and I've lived in a certain belief system, but we communicate like nobody's business. Like we know how to get to the core. And so Sean and I got together and I said to Sean, I need to say everything that I'm feeling. And I need you to know that I love you. And I need you to know that I want to get to the other side, but I need to let this, it's like a Coke bottle, yeah. you know, and the Coke bottle has been shaking for, oh, 40 years, right? But let's just say it's been shaking for 30 days. And, and before I can get to any of the substance in the bottle, I need to let the pressure off. And there hasn't been a healthy place to let the pressure off, which is why Sean and I created the movie. So once we created this movie, we gathered about 80% white audience and 20% audience of color. And we had them watch the movie together. And then we put them in breakout rooms and we asked five key questions. And one of the questions was what emotion comes up for you and what can you do with that? And inevitably with a white uh, uh, guest in our audience at our previews, most always it was shame. And with the black or the people of color, it was always hurt or anger or sadness. And so we have to learn how to deal with those emotions because I don't want to shame my brother and my sister. I don't want you to walk around. You're you, Nick, you can sit at tables that I may not be able to sit at. You can have conversations that I may not be able to have and I can have conversations on your behalf that you won't be able to have. It's just what, how we are as humans. Right. And right. so you're not help, you cannot help our cause to build unity if you're living in shame. So it doesn't behoove me to let you stay in shame. And yet I'm one of the key people that can help you navigate through that because it has to do with me. Does that make sense? Ton of sense. Too much sense and, almost. 
Yeah, and so, right, right, right. We've never been here before. We've never done it before. Congratulations to us. Look what gets to be born in our generation. But listen, my grandmother said, if it's easy, it probably ain't worth it. And so we are, it's our job to flex the muscle, build the muscle, develop the muscle, introduce ourselves to the muscle of courageous cultural conversations. And then to navigate through the messiness we want everything to be packaged as if we've done it before and to come out pristine, you know, like a like a, a well-made, you know, bakery dish. It's not going to be that way. It's going to be messy. We're going to we're going to make mistakes and we have to be so committed for our children and our their children's children to make a dent. And, and Nick, I'm not saying a 180. I'm saying a dent, yeah. a dent in this conversation to, for our kids to go, well, my dad and my mom, you know, Nick and and Lisa, they started it. Now they got us here. Let's take a little, uh, 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 an inch further. What I love about when I look at change agents of the world, Nick, is that change agents of the world, like Nelson Mandela and Mahatma Gandhi and Mother Teresa uh, and Cesar Chavez and, and Martin Luther King, these great leaders, they didn't say, I'm going to get us all the way there. Martin Luther King said, I might not be there when it happens. So can we enter a courageous cultural conversation knowing that we're only going to make a dent and we're going to start it? Are we willing to do that? And my answer is yes, all day, every day. Yes, the longest journey starts with one step. We have to take it. Now, one of the things that you've been a master of in your life and one of the things that I don't know that I understand, so I tell people all the time, uh, I was blessed with more love than I could spend, but there were definitely times in my growing up that there was, you know, money was tight and we were immigrants. I mean, there, you know, there were some, there were some tough yeah. things and it helped shape who I was, but I think mostly because it was a crucible in a way, but it was a crucible with lots of love and support. And and there, I, I believe, I was talking to someone the other day who definitely disagreed with me and I said, no, I do believe there's a systemic problem in the black community, uh, but I think so much of that, well, there are multiple. I mean, there's a lot in the white community as well. But I so I think a big problem with the systemicness is the fact that there's, there has been systemic, or from my point of view and opinion, and that's why I'd love feedback. You know, I can imagine, uh, I can imagine a young black boy going out to get a job to work at, I know your first job was McDonald's, so, uh, mm-hmm. so going out to get a job at McDonald's, and I can't imagine there's not some people in his community, especially living in the projects, let's say, uh, yeah. and, and correct me if any of my terms are wrong. I'm working here, uh, but and and so and, and low in government housing, and he's sitting there, and there's probably some people a little older than him sitting on the front porch, and probably mm-hmm. mocking him for going to a job to to make nothing to work for somebody when. You could just, why are you trying to ruin it for us? We, you don't have to do that. You don't, they're just trying to keep you down. You should stay home. Don't get that job. Do, you know, hang out with us. Or I, I just can see like, if I'm a kid or my parents are telling me these things or like, how do we, how do we help these people rewrite a story like that? So anyway, is that even a story? I imagine that story is right. that a story. And, and where do we go from there? Well, what you're saying is um, our environments are much, can be much stronger than our desire. And I grew up, I grew up um, living between the Harlem Crip 30s and the Roland 60s, and those are not cheerleading squads. <laughs> um, there were some weeks where I would have three fights a week to get home from school. I would pass this guy named Car Wash. Of course, that wasn't his name, but that was his nickname. And he would try to get me into their gang. And if I wouldn't join the gang, I had to fight the gang. 
I was more committed to fighting the gang to stay out because I had a nucleus family that that was non-negotiable. So like any community, there are um, elements of negative energy, but however, it's, it's, it's tripled or quadrupled in the um, low income communities, which are primarily communities of color. And it's, it is the, it is the mindset. So there's a mindset that is, that have been trained for years. You'll never get above this. So don't try. It's an embedded mindset, neurolinguistic programming, right? Neurolinguistic programming programs the brain with all of these subliminal things. Whereas in the, I did an asset mapping program years ago. It must be like 26 years ago. I did this asset mapping in the, in the black community. And there were four liquor stores in the black community to every one liquor store in the white community. There were three grocery stores to every one grocery store in the black community. So mindset is one thing and environment is another. When the 1992 civil unrest occurred in Los Angeles, um, the owners, the liquor stores burned down and the owners of the liquor stores were petitioning to have the government give them money to rebuild their businesses. While the community protested, please replace that liquor store with a farmer's market. Mm. The government decided to replace the liquor stores. And so while it's a mindset, it's environment and it is systemic, it's all of the above, right? When I decided that I wanted to get out of the community, cause I was, I want, I'm, I'm a community activist. I want to do things. I want to get out of the community so I can build something and find out what's out of the community so that I can come back and serve the community. Right. And so you're right. It is a mindset. Um, However, um, it it's attached to opportunity. It's attached to trust. You know, if you want to know what black people say when when an African-American or a person of color wants to what we call cross the color lines, go into corporate America or move into another community. The first feeling, Nick, is the feeling of fear for them. They're going to hurt you. They're going to betray you. They're going to use you. They're going to they're going to plot against you. They're going. Why? because evidence have shown that that to be a part of the past. And so we have to look at that as well. And so in the movie, Let's Grow, Sean does something. And by the way, we all wrote our own poetic lyrics. And then we allowed our poetic, poetic lyrics. So we, we wanted our truth. And then, we, and, 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 and that was hard. It was really hard because our poetic lyrics were strong and they were very independent and we needed to mesh them together like uh, a lasagna, right? And in Sean's lyrics, his lyrics didn't have as much compassion in them until after he heard David's lyrics. And then when he heard my lyrics, he was more defensive in his listening toward David because it was masculine with masculine. And when I came in as a woman and as a mother, I could see Sean's mindset. He was like, okay, hold on. Let me rewrite my line for this. Sean writes this incredible line. And he said, your history has been kept a mystery. Like I've only been shown so much. Now that I know more, 
I can do more with you. Oh, every time I hear him say it toward the last two minutes of the movie, every time I begin to cry. Because what Sean shows is, I see it. I'm, I'm willing to, I won't, I won't say I did it. I didn't do it, but I, I could have been aware of it and I'm, I wasn't. But let's walk forward together. And Sean, Sean's line as the white man actually is the most critical line at the end of the movie because his line shows everyone, every person of color. Wow, okay. It is possible that we can be honest and open and vulnerable and they won't hurt us in spite of our past. And to white people, it shows I can, I can take on this, cha- this charge with you without feeling guilt or wrong for being me. And so it's a critical, I think his line at the end is the most, you'll see it, you know? And it, it wasn't until I watched the movie the, for the third time that I saw a tear coming down Sean's cheek, which was a very real, I don't know, did you see that? Did you see that in the movie? You gotta watch it close. And I'm like, whoa, he was so open. And the tear wasn't a tear of guilt. It was a tear of, you're my brother. You're my sister. And if I do stand for humanity, then I stand for you. I stand for you. I've said, Nick, for years, before before the, the social injustice awareness was out there, I would say to audiences that look like me, I'd say, I don't belong to black people. And I don't just belong to Christians. And I don't just belong to women as an African-American Christian woman. I don't just belong to you. I belong to humanity. I belong to atheists. I belong to white men. I belong to, I belong to everyone. I belong to humanity. I know my assignment. It's to inspire and help to transform humanity. And I've taken some hits for that. When I was in the secret, the Christian community, the devout Christian, the conservative right, Christian, right. they beat me up. And I and I I stood up and said, I love you and I love God, but I belong to everyone. And that's the conversation we want to initiate. Well, I, I love that because so obviously the first film. So it's funny. I met you. It's probably 10 years ago now in, at CEO space in, uh, in Lake yeah, Tahoe. My God. Oh my God. First, first meeting. Uh, and then we, our first project we worked on together was with vision Lakiani with live yeah. request. And I honestly was, I mean, and, and sort of the, the charge on that was like, Hey, how about uh, sort of a new version of the secret? And I was, as a Christian man, I was I was conflicted. What yeah. are people going to say when I have Michael Beckwith on there and I have, and then talking about the universe. And I said, you know, I honestly said to myself, well, maybe this is a cop out. I just want to make the movie, but I try to say, well, if I don't do it, there will never be any Christian perspective woven into this at all. And so, so it's so funny you say that because when I got hit, I got hit. Like, remember my first two books are chicken soup for the soul books. Right. And, um, and I built those books. I sold 10, I, I autographed 10,500 copies of that book in five months. At least 9,800 were in churches. Yep. Right. So I built the book, the brand, um, the Lisa Nichols brand launch in churches. So that was all that, that was the only place I've been. Cause I, I knew I could get in the pulpit right. and I knew, how to, I knew how to deliver. Right. And all of a sudden 
I was ostracized from every church in America, right? Maybe with the exception of a few new thought churches, right? <laughs> the, the Michael Beckwith churches were the only ones that I was invited in, but they were only 5% of my my, my, my client base. And so I didn't know if my business was going, but what I said to people is if I weren't in the movie, then you wouldn't, you wouldn't know if anyone in the movie, cause I talked about God in the movie. I talked about being a believer. And I said, what if the movie was about humanity? What if the movie was to bring all thoughts together and allow them to coexist? What if we can move away from right, wrong, just like this cultural conversation. We can move away from right, wrong and move into my experience, your experience. And together, let's create a bigger, better, stronger experience collectively. Because you as a white man and me as a black woman, we now we now cross many spectrums right. that neither one of us individually could cross. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And so, um, so yeah, I, I've, I've always walked with my assignment my assignment is humanity. And so this conversation across cultural lines, I didn't, I didn't even know I could have it, Nick. I didn't know, you know, I'm that girl that at 18, when I went to college, they wrote on my, on my dorm room door, not the, not, not the notepad on the door, but on the door, black B go home. Wow. And I wow. couldn't get I couldn't get the college to change my door. So I had to have this humiliating door. And this is in 1984. I worked at the 84 Olympics in L.A. and I'm seeing every culture all around the world. And then I go into Oregon, this rural place in Oregon. And all of a sudden I'm culture shocked. I'm like, I didn't know there was a place that there weren't there weren't people of color. And so I'm. We're our job is to further conversations, even when they're difficult and messy. Our job, our job as change agents, our job as transformational leaders, our job as individuals, as fathers, as mothers, right. is to poke the bear. Poke the bear on behalf of what's possible. To have a conversation that might not always be right. Nick, I'd rather you leap into a conversation with me and I see your heart and you say all the wrong things, and I get to love you and say, Nick, brother, bro, I see your heart. I see your heart. And as your sister, let me educate you. And then the next conversation that I'm not a part of, Nick, you'll have brought our conversation into that. For and you'll be a little more wise. And we have to be willing to take those risks together, together. I love that. And you, you have to be willing to take the risk. And I think uh, you got to be willing to realize that um, change change is good and is, I mean, Tony Robbins, I love the way he says, the human beings, requ they require progress. Like if you don't feel like you're going anywhere in a relationship, in a job, in a run, in a walk, you, you just, you're just going to quit. But it's really right. interesting when we have these stories that have been written into our lives that we think that those beliefs are not able to have progress because yeah. this is just yeah. absolute truth. So I, I do, I got a great I got multiple pieces of feedback here, but first question in the in the uh, uncomfortableness. I've heard both terms. I've heard African American. I've heard black. What's proper? What's is one offensive? Or are they both okay? Um, African American is formal. Okay. Black is formal. Okay. 
Got it. So just think of it like that. Like if you were to say, um, I'm, you're speaking about the public in generalities, it's African-American. If you're talking about your friend, you can say, I have a black friend who? You notice how, and, and once I bring it to your awareness, you'll say, oh yeah, when you're talking about someone you know, or so African-American is formal. If you're in a formal conversation, but, and, and in this conversation, black, I've begun to use black more because it, 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 it supports and it speaks to Africans and it speaks to, um, it speaks to Caribbean uh, and it speaks to those who are equally as oppressed because of the color of their skin, but they're not American. Got it. So for me, I expanded it to say African-American and blacks, you know, so that it's a global conversation because this is a global conversation. You know, it's not just happening in America. America is just polarizing it more. Uh, great point. And America is a place where the conversation, the mess can happen and it doesn't get swept under the rug. So that's a good thing. They, that, that right there. That right there. So, so yes, it is. And I appreciate you asking that um, because um African-American is a form of respect um, and it's and it's formal. And so it's 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 saying Miss Nichols, if you're not sure if I want you to call me by my first name yet. And, and you know, and you saying it's OK, call me Lisa. So got it's it. OK, call me Lisa. Exactly. Love exactly. It. OK, great. Uh, a couple of other things I think are really insightful. So, by the way, you said was it what year was that? Eighty four. What year? Eighty four. Yeah. I just watched a movie on the plane coming back from uh, Phoenix the other day last week. Just Mercy, which I highly recommend. And it's a story in 1987. I'm like, that wasn't that long ago. And just nope. the way it things happen. And again, I'm sure there's a lot of things happening right now that I'm just not seeing, but I, right. so that good movie about this topic as well. Um, empathy. I'm doing a documentary right now with Chris Voss. who wrote never split the difference all about tactical empathy. And though this whole idea, when you start talking about these things, empathy, I think I'm, I'm beginning to see that empathy is the biggest secret to living a good life. Like ah. what, what does it look like to walk even 10 yeah. feet in someone's shoes. People ask me all yeah. the time, Nick, what do you think makes a great story? And there are textbook answers, but my, I, I'm still developing the right language around it. But my favorite answer right now is like a movie that makes you think, Oh, what would I do in that person's shoes? Oh, what is it yeah. like that? Like it yeah, takes yeah, yeah. you in, right? Yeah yeah. 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 Nick, you just hit the nail on the head on so many levels, but I want to go back to what you just said. You watched the movie mercy. And in 1987, you didn't know that that was going on and there's still things going on. The most valuable thing you can do as a global citizen of consciousness right now is to become aware of what's still happening. And you don't have to join the Black Lives Matter movement. You don't have to join the, you know, you know, you don't have to join that. What you can, but not everyone that's their path. But as a, and I'm speak particularly to non-people of color, so to white people, because you wanna feel progress to your point. You wanna feel like you can make a difference. We all wanna spend 80% of our time in our circle of influence and only 20% of our time in our circle of concern. Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People because that makes us feel good. And if you're a leader, if you're looking at this show, then you wanna, you, 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 you're a change agent. And so to answer the question, what do you do, right? That's a great question because we think that global change and societal change happens out there somewhere. What, where it happens is 
and this is my phrase that I'm going to be using for the next 10 years until it just becomes the wave, is to create more intimate proximity. To create more intimate proximity. And what I mean by that is to decrease the distance between you and people that you want to have more empathy for, like more and it doesn't mean grab a black person and make them your project. No, it, but it means it means begin to circle yourself in environments that naturally expand your mindset and bring your awareness. My, I went to my girlfriend's um, Passover, her Jewish Passover. Jelani at the time was nine years old, and I was so nervous because we were the only African-American black people at the Passover. So I didn't want to do anything wrong. And it was a very formal, like they have all of the traditional things that, that honor Passover and they read all the scriptures and they had all the dishes. And I remember my son, there's this one part in Passover where you eat a boiled egg, right? And I didn't know Jelani's favorite thing on the planet at that time was boiled eggs. And when it got to Jelani, he, he, he keeps eating the eggs and I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, and, and I remember my girlfriend's mother said, oh, don't worry, honey. And this wonderful Jewish, really thick Jewish doc, don't worry. We're so tired of the boiled eggs. <laughs> we love for him to eat them. And for the next several years, we joined them for Passover. Well, last year I couldn't go. My son, who's now 26, he takes his new wife. And watching him, they videotaped him, watching him be so comfortable He's just at home with them. I have more compassion and understanding and awareness of the Jewish traditions because I had intimate proximity. You want to know what's one of the first steps? Because I want to break this down to what can each individual, what can we do? Right, Nick? What can you do? Intimate proximity and awareness. Pick up a, a, a book for your child that features black characters, a coloring book, a reading book. Um, go to a an elementary or a, a kindergarten and watch how all kindergartners learn the same, jump the same, sleep the same. You know, intimate proximity is what is the beginning stages to all forms of change. Notice when people go over to Africa or they go somewhere, they come back and they're like, I want to live life differently because they had intimate proximity. That's amazing. Uh, Another thing I want to mention that you you mentioned earlier, I think a a trigger that we should all pay attention to, anytime we label they or them were in dangerous dangerous ground because all of a sudden we're separating them from us and saying and labeling as right. something that we are not a part of. And, and at last right. I checked, we're all part of humanity. So I think the next time you say, well, they don't, they, whether you're talking about politics, race, whatever, just check yourself. I think it's a, like a really good thing to think about. And then right. the other thing I love too is, you know, as it, it's, when I, f- I started hearing it more and more and more and more, and obviously diversity and inclusion, diversity and inclusiveness, and it's and I think you know, we've we've somewhat talked about mindset. It's it's a shame we don't have hours to talk about mindset because you're an absolute Jedi at that. We'll maybe mm-hmm. get some of that a little bit, but but I think so many people are having the mindset of I'm being forced to consider diversity and inclusion rather than I'm being invited to consider what it might be to have some more diversity and inclusion. Like to me, I've never walked out of a scenario. Like you talked about, like what a cool, like the first time you do anything 
is the most uncomfortable because you have no idea what to expect. And I always tell artists, songwriters, when I sort of let them down, when the first painting or the first song is not the best one they're ever going to write. But I, I encourage them by saying, and if it was, wouldn't you be depressed? You can't get any better. Like, okay. Right. But, right. but inviting right. someone right. to that table is, is a beautiful thought right. despite faith. Because I, th I mean, even the Bible is that we're supposed to have multiple faiths. I mean, this is just, this is right. the thing. You need um, it. You need you it. It. You, I always say if we were all gray, this would be a very boring world. If we all had the same eating habit, I got as much as I love soul food, I would hate to have to eat it all the time. Like introduce me to some Mediterranean, introduce me to some Greek, get, give me some. So what I, I love you, I love your bringing up this diversity and inclusion um, because I would love for us to get to a place where it feels odd not to have it. Yes, an right. invitation. Versus, I need to I need to almost make you want to have it. But where it comes from, the core feeling, the core belief system that 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 creates the 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 resistance is fear of fear of losing something because someone else is in the equation. Fear of so anytime we are defending protecting, hiding, or proving, those four things. Anytime we feel like we need to defend, protect, hide, or prove, we shrink and, and, and we're in resistance. Anytime we're working in fear of loss, the, the whole thing is to recognize that there's not just 16 seats at the table. And in order for uh, someone new, someone brown or black to sit at the table, you have to give up a seat. The mindset is, why don't we expand the table? Right. Like we don't, there's like, and, and for someone listening, they're going to go, oh, because we're taught, we're taught competition. We're taught win, lose. We're taught, that's the, that's the mindset. In order for me to include you, I have to exclude someone else or you can expand the circle. You can expand the circle. You can expand the table. You can expand the room. The wall that you think is a wall is not a wall. You can dissolve the wall and then there's a whole new space over there, right? It's not, it's not a wall. It's a sliding door. It's a sliding wall. And so the mindset of expansion is where we get to include versus replace. Uh, wow. I, there's so much here. I cannot wait to, uh, for, I think they were going to, there's going to be a lot of repurposing of this content. I love it. Um, I, I think, and, and then you, you get to this whole, uh, scarcity abundance thing, right? I mean that at the end of the day, it all comes down to that. And it's so funny. I like to consider myself a very abundance minded person, but I got to check myself all the time and going, yeah. Ooh, that's a scarcity thought. I, I got to yeah. figure out how to get out of that. Let me ask you this as a, as a person moving through the world, right? So, so I want to get better at this. I think a lot of people want to get better at this. It's often like when I interviewed a guy who's nonprofit this is amazing feeds 1.4 million children a day. And I said, you know, I want everyone to walk away from this conversation, knowing what they can do, because if I try to start something to feed 1.4 million children a day, I'm just probably not going to start because I right. know that the chance of failure right. is way too good. And so like the first thing that comes to, that comes to mind is, uh, you know, like be a big brother for somebody, go join the boys and girls club. Not, not that any of that's bad, but I would say that that is so far. And maybe this is a, a good thing. It's so far outside of my normal 
realm of the people I would interact with, uh, like uh, to go to a children's center. What I mean, and, and again, I'm not knocking. I think it's probably a good idea. But what else? What else might? What should we do? Where can we begin before we have? I mean, we all have. I'd love to have delusion. Uh, I'd love to have grand plans for this. But so we can get started and start building that comfort zone. Like, where do you start? Absolutely. That's such a great question, um, Nick. And that's the question that all my white friends were asking me, like literally. And I, I, I take great pride and joy in knowing that I'm, I, I, I believe, and I, I'm a safe enough space for so many, so many of my friends to come to me and go, where do I start, Lisa? Where do I start? Um, the first place that you start is just have, a, have one-on-one conversations. Be willing don't try to touch the masses. Just have one conversation. Look in your Rolodex and 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 Rolodex. Did I just age myself? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Look in your Rolodex slash database, right? Slash contacts. Um, and start with conversation. Start with intimate proximity like this. Nick, this is critical, you know, and then grow that number. Have have and do them online if you if you're not gathering, right, because of the, the climate. Have convert like literally the way we've been doing it. And then ask some key questions. What don't I know? What don't I know that 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 knowing will help me? What don't I know? Because you don't even know what you don't know, right? Um, and have it with people who you feel safe enough that they'll honor your dignity. Like, but but here's the deal: you may cross shame. You may cross anger, you may cross hurt to get to solution and action. You may cross that. So don't try to dodge that because a lot of times that your strategy is trying to dodge the uncomfortable feeling, right? So studying cognitive dissonance, cognitive dissonance is the disruption of the mind. It's when the mind is uncomfortable because there's somewhere you want to be, but your actions currently aren't, aren't the actions that will get you there. So don't try to dodge the hurt, trust that you can walk through it. Trust that you can get on the other side of it. You trust me. So we can go anywhere, Nick, because I'm, you know I'm not gonna leave you in it. So if we had time, we have enough conversations, let's take it on. You wanna have enough of these conversations. You have these conversations, let's just say twice a month for this year. You won't be the same person on the other side. You'll be able to now facilitate more of these conversations, right? And so one of the things we're doing with the Let's Grow movie is we're now, we now have about 400 people who've hosted a Let's Grow Courageous Cultural Conversation online and showed the movie. So now this year we're going to keep we're going to begin to show people how to facilitate dialogues so that we get a bunch of like you, like you're the perfect person to go, you know what? I'm ready to facilitate my dialogue. You may not be ready yet, but let's just hang together until you are in June or July or August or September or January of next year. And then you're hosting yours. So having these little pod conversations that become, you know, you, you see on the world map when you have the red dot and it's like seven and then it's 70 and then it's 7,000 right. and then it's 70 million. That's what we want to create. And I'm not saying all, all sources of courageous conversations come from our movie, but I do know that it's healthy enough to help people not get stuck. Right. Yep. Love that. Now. All right. So where do people go to watch? Let's grow. Um, let's grow movie.com. 
letsgrowmovie.com um, and uh, you download the movie and 15 minutes. And then we're actually giving you access. Once you download the movie, it's $4.95. It's like you were going to the theater, but you're only paying $4.95 and or 97 cents or whatever. And once you download the movie, we actually give you access to the movie for about 30 days with the charge, with the charge that you host a courageous movie gathering conversation. So once you download the movie and watch it and you process, then we invite you to invite some people online, share your screen and let them watch it. And then challenge them to download the movie for $4.95 and host a virtual party. So you see how we're doing it? Just like ease me into the conversation. Don't feed me a buffet at one time. Give me a spoonful and then give me a plateful. And then we'll discover our buffet. I'm not in a rush to get there. I mean, I'm going to spend this year having a bunch of courageous small group conversations. And you know, I'm a big big event girl. I love big events. (laughs) However, I know that this is so necessary, so critical, and it's so new. It's so new. We're all learning how to walk this walk and talk this talk. I've never talked about courage. I've never talked about my culture and my experience as much as I have with my white friends. And they've been my friends for 20 years. We've watched each other's children grow up, but I didn't know that I didn't know how to have it. And I didn't know if they were willing to have it. And I wanted the friendship. And that's crazy that I would dodge it all this time. But I didn't know if they could handle it. And now my friends like you are saying, no, show me how to handle it. Help me handle it. I don't want to get off. I don't want to. I don't want there to be an awareness that I don't have about humanity. I want to be a part of it. And I'm so excited. I know this is crazy. And I know I have a lot of people with mixed feelings. I'm so excited about this time because Nick, you won't allow now that you know what you don't know. And so many people that are watching us right now, you won't stand for it to happen around you. And that's what we need. And to be quite honest, I know a lot of people don't want me to, it's hurtful to say it, but the systemic change won't happen at the ends of my fingertips or my hands or my lips. It will, it requires our white allies, my white sisters and brothers. You will be a part because you're sitting at the table with, with the, with more of the people who can influence that. And that was hard for me to breathe in that I, I'm not the person that's at the steering wheel of this part of change. It's my sisters and brothers who are white. And so I'm excited that I get to have this as much as possible. And I'm excited that you get to start having it and use the movie as the launch pad. You don't have to know everything to say, just use the movie and then ask the same questions that we ask. So people start talking. Love it. Yeah. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. The whole idea also is I'm, well, if I was trying to affect change in the black community, I wouldn't be able to do it without you. And I think part of that is the, the, what people really think oozes out of them when you're not around and right. Because they, they got, they guard that as well. When you are the same way it would happen to me at a black church or whatever else I'm like, and the way that I've done it. Right. right. Absolutely. Right. Let's grow movie.com. You got to check it out. We were going to talk about pandemics and pivots and all sorts of stuff, but I'm glad we had this conversation. Uh, Lisa, I'd love to have you back on sometime to talk even more. I would love, I would love to be there. And thank you for being willing to push that conversation aside 
for this one because you can talk about the pandemic with anybody on earth right now, but this conversation almost needs us to cross gender lines and cultural lines to really understand it's true. So thank you for your courageousness, Nick. I love you. Uh, love I love you. Thank you for, for being on. Everyone else, uh, join us again soon on Now to Next. Go to letsgrowmovie.com, share the movie, host some of these uncomfortable conversations. Uh, you'll be a better person at the end of it. Thanks for joining us, and thank you again, Lisa. Thanks for tuning in to Now to Next. Make sure you like and subscribe and check out the next episodes.